Hey, what's going on, everybody? Sam Shaw here, founder of Wall Street Mastermind. Back today with another client interview for you guys. Today, I'm super excited to have Kevin on with us. Uh, Kevin is one of our rock star clients who just overcame a bunch of um, obstacles. And I would just say, you know, there were a lot of uh, things that were working against him on his journey to investment banking, but he didn't let that stop him and uh, ended up just totally crushing the recruiting process, got multiple offers. Uh, and he's just one of the most positive guys I've ever met. So I want to get him on here, talk to you guys about his experience, how he was able to do what he did, and uh, hopefully just, you know, give you guys some inspiration and maybe even some insight on what are some of the things that you could do on your own and, and, and maybe go out and implement it. So uh, Kevin, thank you for uh, taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So before we dive into your story, which I think is quite amazing, um, can you just maybe introduce yourself to our listeners so they kind of get a sense of who you are? All right, cool. Well, good uh, morning, afternoon, wherever you guys are, evening. My name is Kevin Jones Jr. I am a second year MBA candidate candidate studying at the number one ranked um, historically black college and university in America. That's Florida A&M University down here in Tallahassee, Florida. But um, I'm originally born and raised in Miami, Florida. Um, and um, I'm excited about being able to talk a little bit about how the program was able to help me realize a 15 year um, dream. That's awesome. Um, yeah, we see the FAMU, FAMU pride in your background there. So, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, I'm a rep. So, let's go back to the beginning. I mean, you mentioned it's a 15 year dream, meaning you've been wanting to get into IB for 15 years. Is that what you're saying? Correct, correct. The, the seed of investment banking was first planted in me when I was a, a junior in high school. Some people, um, had no idea what they wanted to do um, in the 11th grade. But that's um, what I kind of always wanted to do when I was exposed to it. Yeah. Um, it was the most prestigious career. Um, it was one of the most um, uh, rewarding financially careers. Yeah, It was challenging. Um, and it was where the best seemed to go at the business school and then college. So that was, that was where I sighted my eyes uh, yeah. back in high school. So most people are probably wondering, like, okay, so you 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 realize you want to do banking in junior year of high school. Mm -hmm. What happened for like why why did it take fifteen years? Because that's a big detour, right? Like most people if they decide in junior year of high school, it'll take them you know three to four years, right, or mm -hmm. whatever, four to five years to get into banking. So you're saying it took you fifteen? Like, fill us in on the Cliff Notes version. Of what okay. happened in those 15 years? Well, guys, I had, like uh, Sam said, a big detour. Um, I, I Once I graduated high school, I started at the University of Florida, and I did a couple different things. Um, I tried my hands at entrepreneurship, particularly on network marketing, um, ministry. I served in the U.S. Army um, for about eight years in the reserve component. I had a tour in Afghanistan in 2012. Um, and my last profession, I worked um, in the Florida Department of Corrections. So I just kind of I had married in the process, 
So um, I kind of had different responsibilities, different journeys that kind of kind of took me off course, if you will. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of late um, 2017 made a decision to make a, a, a hard push and pivot uh, back to finance. Mm, okay. Um, <clears throat> that's, that's one of the most diverse and interesting backgrounds <clears throat> that we'll probably ever find in a uh, student inside of Wall Street Mastermind. You said entrepreneurship, ministry. I think you're the first <clears throat> Wall Street Mastermind student that's been in ministry, that's for sure. Uh, served <laughs> in the army, so thank you for your service. Um, and then the Department of Corrections. So that's like the state prison, basically. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. So like none of that stuff is really has any relevance to finance or investment banking. Um, Correct. How did you go from like, I don't even know. How did you go from ministry? How did you end up in ministry? Like if you knew you want to, if you knew you wanted to do investment banking, I guess my biggest question is this. <clears throat> you knew you wanted to do investment banking mm -hmm. in high school. Why, why didn't you just try to go into investment banking in college? Like, why did you do all these other, like four or five other things in between? Mm -hmm. you know? Like, what, what, what was the thought process there? Yeah, I think um, where I was when I was much younger, my mindset was, you know, I kind of wanted to work and have my own, um, start my own business, start my own company. So that's why I kind of tried my hand at that. When that was not, as successful and I didn't launch as fast as I wanted it to launch. I, I then re, um, re-engaged in life and, and school full time. Um, and then I started a family. That was kind of a big um, transition for me. And then with that, I kind of um, put everything to the side in terms of me being able to fully dedicate and commit myself, even though I didn't have to, um, to a career in investment banking. So that's kind of um, from there where I bounced around into different professions that I had an interest in, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. It wasn't my lifelong dream. Got it. And then, so why in 2017, then after going through all of this, why did you finally say, okay, like I'm going to go back and pursue my <clears throat> original dream. Cause I, I would think that <clears throat> most people, if they've been thinking about something for 15 years and they haven't done it, they're probably just not going to do it, you know? Yes. And, and, and you've done all these other things along the way. You know, you started a family, like banking, let's be honest, is not the most uh, family-friendly career out there. Right? Absolutely. So like, mm -hmm. so like, what was the spark that made you say, you know what, I'm not ready to give up on this yet? Yeah. I think I got encouragement from family and friends that were telling me, hey, as um, family dynamics, my family dynamics were changing towards the end of uh, 2017, beginning of 2018, they were encouraging me like, hey, you, you can do this. Um, why not? Um, and I think that's why I um, enrolled in the first master's program where I first earned a master's of science and finance from CSU, um, Colorado State University. Um, that didn't help much in terms of being uh, getting into investment banking, but I think that was a big shift for me in terms of pursuing, okay, um, now is the time um, and it's not too late to, to do this. It's, it's never too late after 
after all those years, I still felt I could do it. Yeah. So your family, your family kind of encouraged you to do this. Do you have like family members that were in finance or working, you know, something related to Wall Street or do they know, do they understand this field that you were trying to get into and they could help you with it? Or were you kind of just doing all this on your own? No, I was mostly um, doing it on my own. They didn't quite, they still really don't understand. Um, but they knew I wasn't happy. They mm -hmm. knew I was living beneath my potential and my ability. Um, so they was like, hey, go for it. You know, now's the time. You're not getting any younger. Um, and I did. Nice. Okay. So you went into your master's in finance program at Colorado State. Like, did you go and take on that degree with the intention of leveraging that to get into investment banking? Like, was that the intention going in? Yes. Yes, that was definitely the intention. Um, because my, I have an undergraduate degree in biblical studies. Okay. Um, I didn't have a finance background academically. So I thought it was important to, number one, learn finance from the academic point of view. Yeah. And number two, um, just show my commitment and my interest in finance with the master's degree. Yeah. But not knowing that I need to bridge that with some actual internship experience. Right. So you said you came out of Colorado State. I mean, obviously you got the degree, mm -hmm. but you didn't get into banking. Did you try to apply to banking jobs and stuff while you were in that program and just didn't pan out? Like, did you, yeah. were you able to get interviews or like, is it like I couldn't get interviews at all? Or maybe I got interviews, but I couldn't pass interviews or like, where were you kind of stuck? Um, well, I definitely applied um, more towards because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, so I kind of complied. I, I kind of applied a couple months prior to completing the degree, hoping that that would be enough to get me in the door. Mm -hmm. um, but turns out that wasn't enough to get me in the door. Um, and, you know, no response um, from pretty much all of the firms that I had applied to. Okay. How, like what type of firms are you applying to? Are these like the bulge back end, like the, the banks that everyone has heard of or like what type of banks are you applying to? Yeah, it was definitely at that time, the more well-known firms, the JP Morgans, um, you know, the Goldman Sachs, the, uh, the Bank of America's at, of that time. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. Okay. So then what happened after that then? You graduated from Colorado State. You've been mm -hmm. applying to all these banks that you thought, this degree will help you get into you're mm -hmm. not getting any responses to any of these applications so then mm -hmm. what did you do after that so <laughs> i got the brilliant idea well i need another degree <laughs> <laughs> the first one didn't work maybe the second one will you, so you just you just like you just like paying tuition is that, is that what it is yeah i just got more in debt let's see let's go put on another uh couple thirty thousand dollars in debt you know so um that's essentially what I did. And um, I was working full time. I need to say that in, in full disclosure um, as for the Department of Corrections as a classification officer at that time. Yeah. So it might not have been as um, convenient to get up and do an internship. But I kind of said, OK, well, I'm going for an MBA this time. That mm -hmm. should that should better position. me. Yeah. Um, OK, so you're like master and finance work. Maybe what I need is an MBA. <laughs> okay, got it. Yes. Yeah. 
So that's mm -hmm. how you ended up at uh, FAMU, basically. Right? Absolutely, absolutely. I kind of did some research on the school. I saw that they had, me being an African-American, they had um, a track record of placement of Black, black students um, on, on careers in finance. So what I didn't know, it wasn't quite what I wanted to do, but they were on, quote unquote, Wall Street. Mm -hmm. uh, so I kind of had to learn, like, there's a difference between, you know, just general work on Wall Street and investment banking. Are, are you saying like they have alumni on Wall Street, which is what drew you to the school, but the alumni were mostly working like mid office and back office roles as, as yeah. opposed to front office roles? Is that what yes. you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Or in product groups that I wasn't necessarily interested in. Mm. Okay, got it. Um, <clears throat> I mean, that's, um, I think that happens a lot. Right, mm -hmm. which is to someone who's maybe not super knowledgeable about the inner workings of Wall Street, which yeah. I would say back then at least you would fall under that category. From for, for the outsider that's looking in, they might think that hey, Wall Street is Wall Street or finance is finance. And a lot of times, like I get LinkedIn messages from students, and you can tell they just like they don't know the difference between investment banking versus risk versus like, you know, finance versus like, there's all these different equity research uh, equity research versus all these different departments. Right. And they kind of think like, no. I mean, the worst is when like, they think that um, like you ask them like, Oh, so what kind of relevant experience do you have? And this is my favorite when they say, Oh yeah. Like I've been a bank teller at, you know, uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> like the, you know, bank of America. Canada. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's so like, Yes, that's in the banking industry. That's in the financial services industry. But it's like so far from what Absolutely. you would be doing as an investment banker, right? Like mm -hmm. those guys don't get paid like anything right? mm -hmm. versus and, and, and versus an investment banking job is like it's one of the highest paying jobs out there, right? And so yeah. I think like it's there's just more education that needs to happen yeah. so that people are more they have more awareness around what they're getting themselves into mm -hmm. because we're talking about people's careers, right? Like there's no joke. Like yeah. people are making huge life decisions in your case, you know, spending, I don't know how many thousands of dollars to, to, to go get an MBA because you thought that, you know, that would be a great way for you to get into banking. Right. Mm -hmm. Ends up not being that. And, and it all worked out in the end, but like <laughs> if we're being honest, and like that's not that was not the that's like that was did not align with your intention, at least. Right? Yeah. And and so not not that the school is not a good school. I'm sure the school is good at mm -hmm. a lot of things. Absolutely. But there's no school that's good at everything, right? Of and course. Yeah. Of course, you can if you're gonna pay that much money to go get a degree, whether it's a master in finance or MBA ideally you want to pick a school that is going to be good at the thing that you needed to be good at. Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, so you end up at uh, FAMU, you are working part-time and going to school part-time. It sounds like um, what, what kind of, what, where, where did you go from there? Then like, did you have, well, I was going to ask, did you have a lot of resources at your school that could help you get into banking? But I feel like based on what you just said, I probably know the answer already. Like, 
What did you find after you actually showed up? Um, when I actually showed up, there was a there was an alumni network I was I was able to connect to. It's called the Chief Financiers Officers Great Group, you know, of of um of uh, bankers that work on you know some some very prestigious firms, Goldman Sachs, um, J.P. Morgan. We have a couple there, um, and in, in different areas, you know, Truist. You know, I was able to find a uh, alum alumna uh, from there as well. So. Um, but, you know, none of them were actually in the areas where I wanted to, to work in, in investment banking. Yeah. So okay. there really wasn't, plus this was, you know, COVID environment, right? Yeah. So there really wasn't much going on on campus. Yeah. Um, and, and even when the recruiters came, they didn't really come to, they didn't really come recruiting for those types of coverages and yeah. product groups. Right. What did they recruit? What were they? What were some of the things they were recruiting for? Um. Uh, commercial banking. Yeah. Um. Wealth management. You know. Um. And 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 some sometimes some some accounting and finance roles. Yeah. Um. You know, and even some IT roles as well. Okay. Got it. Mm -hmm. So you talk to these alumni. Mm -hmm. They're not in investment banking. They're maybe in other divisions or other parts of these firms. Mm -hmm. So what did they tell you? Or like how did, were they able to help you? Or were they like, sorry, bud, like not my, not my, not my thing. Or like, what, what, was, <laughs> what was the outcome? Yeah, they were, they were very encouraging, but I mean, the extent of the help, um, to be honest with you, it was just the, it was just um, resume revision. Mm -hmm. um that was probably much the extent of it i would send out my resume they would tweak it um they would say hey apply to more than one um but that was probably the extent of it to be honest yeah. uh got it yeah um okay so that's what and, and oh i forgot and then they'll you know then they'll, they'll say hey you know apply to this role it's open um that part too hey you know apply here apply there yeah um, that type of stuff okay so this is like what 2020 when you started at yeah. maybe yep 2020 fall and um 2020 fall and spring which is which is when i really kind of started making the push in spring right okay mm -hmm. so you joined family 2020 fall then you start networking with alumni they give you a little bit of help, but really not too much beyond resume mm -hmm. and things like that, and just words of encouragement. Mm -hmm. uh, what else did you try to do on your own? Like, how were you going about this recruiting process? Were you, I don't know, reading the interview guides or uh, taking financial modeling courses? Or I don't know, I'm trying to think of all the other things that people typically do. Like, mm -hmm. what were you doing to try to figure this stuff out? Um, well, I'm a reader, so um, I kind of read personal books, you know, personal finance books that was interesting to me, you know, fundamental analysis for dummies. I got a whole list of them, but I didn't even know about the guides, to be honest with you. Wow, um, okay. The Wall Street Oasis and the 400 question guide, I didn't really even know about that until spring. Okay. Um, and I learned that from other college students who weren't even in um, 
and enrolled in my school, who was in a, an organization that I'm in called BLK Capital. Oh. So, um, so I didn't even know about the guys and 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 and, and the nature of the questions um, that we ask. Interesting. Okay, so that's actually pretty rare for us to hear that from like a Wall Street Mastermind clients. Like usually, our students, even by the time they come to Wall Street Mastermind, like they've long known about the Wall Street Oasis guys and the Breaking Wall Street guys because that's just like industry standard. Everybody has those guides, right? Man, I, if, if I knew those guys existed, I would have I would have used that instead of the Masters of Science and Finance. You know, <laughs> you know it, it, I, like, I, like I said, I didn't know. I, yeah. I just didn't know. But that's like, the, that just goes to show, though, I think the school and the environment you were, the, the environment that you were in it just really wasn't conducive to investment banking. It sounds like, yeah. like not, not anybody's fault, but like, yeah. it sounds like none of your classmates were trying to break into investment banking. Mm-hmm. You know, none of your classmates were using these guys. Cause that's usually how people hear about it is that their friends all use it. Their upperclassmen use this. So then when they go ask them for advice, they're like, Oh yeah, this is what I did. You should just use mm-hmm. this. And that's how you find out. And that's how you found out about it through BLK is, all your friends in BOK capital management were using this. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that, that, that goes, that that's another great point, which is like, I think being in the right environment yeah. can make a huge difference because yeah, absolutely critical. It's the difference between you being in the know versus you being completely ignorant mm-hmm. to no fault of your own, but just like, you just, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Absolutely critical. I mean that like, great point that that community is important and like you said it's, it's no fault of the school or the students it's just it's just when you're in an environment where kind of like you have a unique interest um and nobody else really shares that interest you know you don't know kind of what you're doing and how to go about it yeah yeah that makes sense um so you found okay so then you joined blk somewhere mm-hmm. along the way which is yes. great that's a great organization right and it's, mm-hmm. it's probably up to that point probably your most relevant experience uh as far as investment banking goes right yeah. mm-hmm. um you meet a bunch of students in BOK who are probably all trying to get into investment banking mm-hmm. uh, they show you the, the the interview guides so then what well, you probably start reading those right mm-hmm. um Correct. And then, like, how was like how was that going? I guess I'm trying to get from at that point in time to mm-hmm. I think you joined Wall Street Mastermind about six months ago now, like March yeah. of 2021. March. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're in September now. Like, what was it that made you say, "Okay, I'm going to go join something like Wall Street Mastermind," mm-hmm. as opposed to just you know continuing to do whatever it is that you were already doing on your own, right? Whether it's yeah using these guides or I don't know, getting help from people in BLK or yeah. whatever resources you already had at your, at your disposal. Cause I mean, there's a lot of free resources out there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, why join something like this? You know, yeah. I think with me, you know, I'm a systems man. I'm a process guy. Um, and I kind of like um, something that I can follow systematically. Yeah. Um, you know, and I first heard about your program actually listening to a podcast. Yeah, right. it's to another podcast, it's to another podcast, it's to another podcast. And I said, hey, let me book this call just to see what this is about. <laughs> so it seemed to be a program, 
number one, I was looking for results, you know, 90% placement rate, you know, you gotta, you gotta have some bad self-esteem to think you'll fall into the 10%, you know, <laughs> you know, who, who can't get placed. So I said, okay, I mean, I know it's a program and I have to put in the work, yeah. But if it is as good as to say it is, I'm willing to, to commit and put into the work. Yeah. So um, because, you know, they could, you know, the, the college students, they were sending me five, ten different guides at a time. And that was helpful. But it was like, OK, where do I start? Yeah. What do I need to learn the most? What's yeah. most important with my time? And, and what I love about your program is it's focused and it's accelerated. Like these are the concepts and the principles that you need to learn. Um, um, and that are going to be um, acts most commonly. Yeah. And uh, from the conceptual point of view, yeah. um, and not just, hey, you know, know how to answer these 400 random questions in these four different areas. Right. Yeah, we're not, we're not having you just like memorize stuff by brute yeah. force and then hoping like fingers crossed, like let's hope they only <laughs> ask these questions that I've already memorized, which will never happen. Yeah. But you're mm -hmm. actually learning the concepts behind the questions so that doesn't matter what they ask you, you, you gotta be able to basically feel their questions. Absolutely, absolutely. And it, it made a big difference. I felt very prepared every interview I went in. Yeah. Um, I mean, it sounds like though at the time when you joined this program, cause you had to pay for your MSF, your master's mm -hmm. finance. Then you say you took on even more debt to pay for uh, Florida A&M. Mm -hmm. And so you were probably already up to your neck in terms of student loans. Yeah. And so it wasn't like, like, because a lot of people said, oh yeah, like the only people that join Wall Street Mastermind are like privileged rich kids or whatever. Right. Like that's not, <laughs> that's not you though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like this Wall Street Mastermind was like a sizable investment for you. I'm guessing. Absolutely. And you, you pay for this on your own with like, without mm -hmm. your parents' help or anybody, like there was no one helping you with this investment. Absolutely. Right? Mm -hmm. So I guess my question is like, I want to kind of understand your psyche a little bit, which is, I feel like a lot of people, if they were in your situation, you know, maybe they're older, they're not like the prototypical candidate mm -hmm. for banking, um, they don't see a lot of people like themselves, you know, in banking and mm -hmm. like, which like, let's not, let's not understate the importance of that because yeah. it, it, it does impact your belief, right? Mm -hmm. Like if, like when I was a kid, I wanted to play in the NBA. That was my dream. Right. Mm -hmm. And there were no Asians in the NBA. And I'm like, like as a little boy, I'm like, okay, how come there's no one that looks like me in the NBA? Like, it probably means that it's not possible for me to play in the NBA. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Of course it's possible. Jeremy Lin has proven that since then, but that was way <laughs> later, right? But yeah. still, like, I'm, my, my point is, though, like, it does impact your belief, but, like, I feel like most people, what I find to be amazing about you is that most people in your position, they would, they would have, they would probably come from a place of scarcity because they're like, oh, mm -hmm. I have no money. I'm already so in debt. I can't spend mm -hmm. more money on something like this, especially um, if they don't have conviction or certainty that yeah. this program could work for them. I know you're sitting there saying, listening to this podcast and saying, hey, you got to have pretty low self-esteem to think that you'd be in the other 10%. Mm -hmm. 
But at the mm -hmm. same time, it's like when you look around, no one from FAMU is in investment banking. True. There's not that many people on Wall Street that, you know, look and talk like you. Like, I, I think most people would not have a lot of confidence. Yeah. And they would think that they, they're, they're most likely going to fall in the other 10%. And because of that, they would think, well, I would be stupid to spend this amount of money when I'm already this in debt on something that's a low probability. Yeah. Right. So why, why is it that, I mean, obviously you didn't think that way or we wouldn't be yeah. sitting here talking today, but why is it that you don't think that way? Is it just because you're just a positive person? Cause I mean, after, <laughs> I, I haven't gotten to know you over the last six months. Like I said, I feel like you're one of the most positive just human beings that I know in general, in terms of like, Thanks, Sam. yeah, but, but, but like what, what was going through your head though? Cause this is like, I think to you, this probably, this decision seemed very um, logical and is not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. But I think we're sitting where I'm sitting, having seen so many students and having talked to literally thousands of students who have considered joining this program. Some have joined, some haven't joined. I can sit here and tell you right now that I think you did something that a lot of people in your position would not have done, right? Mm -hmm. So walk us through that. Like, why did you do that? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Really good question. And, and to answer very quickly, just two things. Um, first and foremost, is more important than, than the second one is, you know, I'm a man of faith, Sam, you know, and that's where it starts with me. You were in ministry. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a man of faith. I have to see the, the glass half full and not half empty. I have to, you know, um, and, and number two, you know, when I was on the phone, you know, working at the prison, I was calling the, the career um, kind of advisor or counselor for the school of business here. Yeah. And, you know, I was saying, hey, you know, you know, how certain is it that I'm, you know, if I'm, you know, if I resign from my job and relocate up here and study full time, you know, to, to switch careers, you know, how certain am I to get an internship? She said, you know. We will facilitate career fairs twice a year. We will introduce you to companies, but we can't guarantee you anything. Mm -hmm. And I remember verbatim, you know, my exact words were, well, I have to bet on myself. You know, I got to bet on myself. And that's what his program was, this two-year, you know, which turns into three years, actually, MBA um, program, where it's like, it's a full 100% complete bet on myself. It was like, either I make this work or I go back to what I was doing. No, I don't want to go back to what I'm doing. And, um, it, or it was either this, or I go back to law school and try to find something in law school. <laughs> More <laughs> school. The More school. The wow. So, so you, if you compare the investment of, a, of law school and, and, and everything else with, with the resources that I had to use to invest in the program and, and to find and discover and, and make an exchange, it's a no brainer. It wasn't a hard decision for me. And like I said, that, that 90% placement rate that did it for me, you know, yeah. that did. It. Well, did you have any like skepticism? Because a lot of people hear the 90% success rate and they're like, no, that can't be like, that's too good to be true. This guy's, you know, a scammer, whatever he's lying. Like you didn't have any doubts. Like, um, no, I mean, listen, you don't know, right. There's, there's just certain things you don't know. I tried to do my homework, 
Um, you know, the introductory call that I had was very open. I could ask any questions. Um, you know, so th there's always a possibility. Um, but through all the client calls and, you know, um, you know, I, everyone does their research, you know, and, and on the web and, and, you know, I was like, okay, this is a legitimate business. It's, le it's placing college students at some of the best firms. Um, I had heard different client interviews as well. Some of them were coming from accounting backgrounds. Some of them were MBA students like myself, and some of them were undergrads who got started very late in recruiting and were still able to be successful. Yeah. So I was like, okay, you know, that's enough for me. Yeah, that's great, man. So you bet on yourself. You're like, I don't want to go back to where I'm working now, which is the state prison, uh, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm grateful for a job now. I'm, I'm grateful for a job, but I knew I could do better. And that really wasn't, really wasn't what, what, what uh, I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what your role there was there exactly, but I just, I just imagine it's not like the, probably the best work environment that you want to be in for the rest of your yeah. life or whatever. Right. Absolutely. Um, but, and I also, I don't know, I've never worked in a place like that, but I imagine the pay is not very good. And uh, no. in terms of being able to take care of your family and things like that, like the, the, there's a huge difference, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I know we spent a lot of time on your story, on your journey leading up to Wall Street Management because I just think it's so fascinating. There's so many things to unpack there. But then after you join Wall Street Mastermind, like in the last six months or so, obviously a lot has happened. But yeah. um, what did you do inside of Wall Street Mastermind? What did you find to be like the most helpful for you? Like what what were some of the things that you did in Wall Street Mastermind where it's like looking back on it in hindsight, you can say, you know what? There's no way I could have done this on my own. Like, mm -hmm. was, there, was there anything like that? Because that's the question that people always have is like, well, what's the point of doing something like this? Like, can I just Google everything or, you know, look stuff up on YouTube? You know, like, isn't everything already on online? Everything already on Google? Like, what, what could you possibly need from Wall Street Mastermind? Like, but can you, can you talk about your experience a little bit? Yeah, for me, um, Sam, it was everything from start to finish. So the very first thing that the program teaches and walks you through um, is how do you market yourself? Right. Everyone knows you're going to have to network in investment banking. How do you get someone to respond to your email? How do you get someone to answer your call and, and even want to talk to you? Um, so you have this resume service, craft the resume, and we work on the LinkedIn. Um, so that's the first block. The second block is um, how do you network? You know, who do you talk to in a firm? It's 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 not random. You know, yeah. I had to learn that, too. It's not random. And there's a certain type of structured conversation you want to have um, when you talk to investment bankers. And you don't. Ha and another thing you taught me is the conversation isn't the same depending upon the banker and their seniority. Right. You have to fit the conversation for the seniority um, of the banker. Um, how do I learn to network? OK, got that down. Um, then. Okay, how do you interview? You know, there's two types of questions. You either have the technical questions um, that is on all of the academic stuff, um, the accounting, uh, valuation, 
uh, merger mathematics and LBO, you know, the foundations of that. And you do it at an accelerated pace. Um, and then the behavioral questions. And that was very key. That was very key because I've had interviews where that's the majority of the questions, um, you know, and there is a there is a good behavioral answer and there is an OK behavioral answer. Yeah. Um, and the team that you assemble and put together, they help us craft that as well. Yeah. So all of those things are, are so important. Um, and it's, it's all in the program and, and it's just the, the community as well. All the other people that you become a part of the Wolfpack family um, that helps along the way too. Yeah. Which, um, which we talked about earlier, like mm-hmm. environment is important. If you aren't surrounded by, you know, people who are trying to do what you do at your school and you aren't surrounded by people who are in the know about like, whatever, recruiting timelines or resources that are available or internship opportunities or what questions get asked by which firm, like those are all mm-hmm. advantages you would have by being a part of a network like a Wall Street Mastermind or, you know, like for, for a lot of students, it's like maybe they have like an investment banking club at, uh, at some Uber target school where everybody mm-hmm. is just like very in a loop. It's kind of like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you didn't have that at school. And then so you went out and found that community for yourself um, and, and put yourself in the environment that you needed to be in. Um, and so that makes a lot of sense. And I think you gave a really good overview of like all the things that we kind of touched on in the program from, you know, your application materials, like resume cover. I, I, I failed to mention something too, Sam, um, the office hours. Right. So anyone that's listening to this, I don't want them to have the impression, okay, this is just something that you do um, on a computer with no personal touch. No, there's mock interviews, there's office hours, there's, hey, if there's anything you're seeing, you know, in your training that you don't understand, like there's a team of coaches, including Sam leading the way, that they get on the phone with you, hey, and explain this technical concept. Yeah. Um, so I, that's, that's critical too. That's the that's that really what that's really what distinguishes, I think, Wall Street Mastermind from anything else that you could possibly be a part of. And practice. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, like, because you gave a good overview of all like all the different um, parts of recruiting that we touch on from the application and networking, the technicals, the behaviorals. But I was going to ask, like, well, what's the difference between what we do and just you doing it on your own? But it sounds like you kind of just answered it, which is having a team of coaches who are available 24 seven on demand anytime you have a question about anything and to just be able to talk through things with them so that you're not uh, kind of like trying to figure everything out on your own and trying to guess at what the right answer is. Yeah, yeah, uh, Wall Street Mastermind will stay with you till you convert. That's, for me, that's priceless. Yeah. For me, that's priceless. You can't, you can't pay for someone, you can't pay enough money for someone to stay with you until you're successful yeah. uh, and, and ensure that you are successful. Um, yeah. That's what I call an invested interest. Right. You know, so for me, that's priceless. Yeah. No, I, I, that's absolutely right. Like we're one of the only companies that I've seen that don't put like a term limit or, you know, in terms of like how much help you can get from us or yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of, companies out there are very transactional about it. It's like, okay, every additional hour we spend with you, you got to pay us X. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. For us, it's just like, no, you, like once you're in, you're in. And once you're in, 
Like it's our responsibility, well, and yours, but it's both of our responsibility mm -hmm. to do what we can to get you the job. And we're not going to stop until you get the job or until you tell us like, hey, I don't want to do this anymore. I give up. Mm -hmm. like, hopefully, and most people that join our programs, they're not quitters, right? So, mm -hmm. um, so that's great. Um, so you came in, you worked on all this stuff. And like, how did the recruiting process go for you then? Like you, this time around, cause you know, you mentioned before in college, you submit a bunch of applications. You don't hear back from any of them. Like, what was the experience like for you this time? Like, do you have a rough sense for like, for example, how many firms did you end up applying to? And mm -hmm. like, how many places you get interviews from and how many, who, who'd you end up getting offers from? Like, can you kind of walk mm -hmm. people through that funnel? Yeah, so I think in total, um, so I'm an MBA candidate. Um, typically, MBA recruiting doesn't start until the fall. Yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, but the, 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 the rush and the race for talent is, pushes everything back. So yeah. I ended up, you know, uh, thank God for Wall Street Mastermind and the preparation that I was doing because I ended up having interviews a lot earlier than uh, several months earlier than I was in the traditional recruiting season. Okay. So I would say I probably applied to, um, because most of the applications weren't open, um, maybe five, six, seven okay. um, firms. And I ended up getting um, three interviews, three interviews, um, three different firms. TD Securities was the first one. Yep. Um, I received an offer from them. Yep. The second one was uh, UBS. I received an offer from them, Bulge Bracket. Um, and the third one was Bank of America. I received an offer from them as well. So um, I ended up selecting and committing to UBS. Yeah. Um, but, at, man, th those are results you can only dream of coming from, <laughs> from So Yeah, so you went three for three on your interviews. And yes. you got... I mean, you applied to three to five, uh, sorry, five to seven firms. So you got about mm -hmm. interviews from just under to just over half of them, depending on what that mm -hmm. number is. It was just called a half. It's pretty solid. Like uh, to go from no interviews whatsoever, first time you applied on your own to getting half of the interviews you applied for. And then more importantly, acing every single interview that you got and getting those offers. Uh, and to be able to choose from the three offers that you have, like, I mean, those are, I mean, UBS and Bank of America, both bulge bracket banks, and then TD, uh, it's a great middle market bank as well. Definitely all, mm -hmm. you know, all three of them, uh, I would consider to be very reputable and prestigious. So that's that's quite the accomplishment. I mean, I guess um, ultimately, like when you're choosing between firms, like what goes into that decision? Like, how do you mm -hmm. choose between all these different great options? I mean, you can't really go wrong, but like. That decision. Well, um, you know, for me, it, it's, it's prestige um, and, and notoriety of each firm, you know, because I know in our industry, sometimes you're judged by the firms that you work for, you know. Yeah. Um, at, at some point, there is a, I guess, maybe a leveling out of the same skill sets across the board. Yeah. Um, but certain firms have better deal flow, um, they have better compensation. Um, and they just position you better for if you want to transition into another vertical within the financial services industry, like private equity or venture capital or anything that you may want to pivot to. You know, certain firms, 
does offer better opportunities. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so you go from, I think we had a conversation about this before, which I found to be quite amazing, but um, you went from working at the Florida Department of Corrections to working at, or soon to be working in investment banking, right? Mm -hmm. um, how, like, what is the percentage increase, or I don't know if this is a percentage, or how many mm -hmm. X, how many times <laughs> are you increasing your annual compensation by making that switch? Not including bonus, it's over four times. Not including Just bonus. Not including annual bonus. Now, if I throw the bonus in, which could be 50 to 100% of the base, that'll be astronomical. But just on base alone, it's over four times what I was making um, as, a, as a classification officer in the Florida Department of Corrections. Wow. Okay. So that's kind of like night and day. That's a huge. If you add, another, if you add another 50 to 100%, depending on your performance, obviously, yes. then there will be six to eight times, I guess. Yes. Correct. Six if you're like eight. the worst, if you're like the worst associate in the world and you only get a 50% <laughs> bonus, you're still making six times more than what you were making before. Okay. Correct. Correct. I mean, Correct. that, that is the ROI for you betting on yourself, right? That is the ROI for you investing yourself. And I mean, not even just the investment in Wall Street Mastermind, but obviously you invested a lot of time and effort and money to get your MSF, to get your MBA, and all of those investments are included yeah. in that. Mm -hmm. and, and obviously you got all these degrees with the intention of making the switch to investment banking. If you hadn't successfully made that switch, it would have been a very expensive investment. But because you <clears throat> did what you had to do and you got the help you needed to get, and you successfully made the switch, um, now this is something that's going to pay dividends for hopefully the rest of your career, right? I mean, regardless of whether you stay in banking or not, I mean, even if you, st if right. you stay in banking, obviously you continue down this um, trajectory, right? And your pay will continue to increase as you become more senior. But even if you leave banking, like, you know, I left banking after a few years, but I can honestly say all the subsequent jobs that I had that I exited into, whether it's private equity or tech or, um, you know, all, all the other jobs after that, my compensation mm -hmm. was anchored off of what I previously made, right? Because that's what employers do is when they're trying to hire you and they need, need to figure out what kind of package to offer you, they always want to know, well, how much were you making at your last job? And then they try to beat that by, you know, some amount, right? Mm -hmm. of so course. if you're not making that much of the last job, if you're coming from you know, the Department of Corrections or whatever, like they only had to pay you a little bit more than that. But if you're coming from banking, they had to pay you more than that, right? And <laughs> Absolutely. That's that's where we're saying like, you're, you're taking your trajectory from maybe this type of trajectory to, you know, you're elevating the slope of that, mm -hmm. right? Which in the beginning maybe doesn't seem like a big difference, but over time that, that gap becomes wider and wider, right? Yeah. Yeah, I heard a podcast where you was explaining that concept and I got it like, wow, you know, it, 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 it will grow exponentially based upon where you start in your career. It's not linear. It's not. Yeah. Linear, right. I mean, people always like to complain like, oh, like the rich people just keep getting richer. Well, there's a reason is because 
mm-hmm. the game, I hate to say it, but the game is kind of rigged that way. That like, yeah. like the more money you have, the easier it is for you to make money. You can go out and invest. You can, you have all this extra disposable income versus people who are just living paycheck to paycheck. Like they're not thinking about investing. Correct. The only money they're making is the hourly wage that they're making. And I mean, you only have so many hours in a day. What are you supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Right. And so this is why I laugh. Like sometimes I read some really ignorant comments on online and forums or internet where like some you know, college student who thinks he's like super smart will say things like, well, I don't want to do investment banking because like if you calculate how many hours investment makers have investment making analysts have to work, like the hourly wage is worse than McDonald's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, well, you go work at McDonald's and let me know how <laughs> that works out. Like, right? let me know how that works out in 10 years, you know, like mm-hmm. maybe you could be the store manager. I, I, I'm not trying to be condescending. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with it. But I'm just saying, of course. When, you point. About your, when you think about your career, you can't be short-sighted. You can't just think about like, oh, I'm going to have, I'm, I'm only making like 20 or $25 an hour in the beginning. It's like, no, like think long-term, think mm-hmm. like five years, 10 years, 20 years, 40 years, like what's going to happen down the road and how is that going to affect your ability to provide the type of lifestyle that you want, not just for yourself, but also for other people around you that you love and care about, for your family, your spouse, your kids, your parents, your siblings, like whoever, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You can only really think about that stuff though, if you have uh, the ability to provide for those people. A lot of people Mm -hmm. can't even think about that because they're just just worried about even providing for themselves, right? And that's a horrible place to be, right? Um, So anyway, man, like, I mean, I know we've been going for a long time, but um, <laughs> I think that you really deserve a lot of recognition again, because I think like, you know, I have a, I have a really, um, there's a saying that I really like, which is exceptional people do exceptional things, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at the people that have a lot of success, or if I look at the people that I know that have a lot of success, pretty much every single one of them at some point in time was willing to do something that other people weren't willing to do. They were willing to make a bet that other people weren't willing to bet, uh, that other people weren't willing to make, or they were willing to just like kind of go against the grain and like Mm -hmm. do something that most people wouldn't have thought of doing or wouldn't have dared to do, right? And it makes sense because if you just do what everyone else is already comfortable doing what really what is really going to set you apart from everyone else like what what why mm-hmm. do you deserve to be more successful than other people when you're just doing the exact same things absolutely it, that's just not how it works mm-hmm. right? like you people are like oh jeff bezos he's so successful like mark zuckerberg he's so successful like all these people, elon musk he's so successful like you know how, how much risk those guys took to start a company, mm-hmm. you know, Jeff Bezos like left a job as a vice president at a hedge fund to go start an online bookstore. I mean, people probably thought he was crazy. Yeah. Right? Mark Zuckerberg dropped out of Harvard. He dropped out of Harvard to start <laughs> an online social media company, which was not a thing back then. Mm-hmm. Right? It's almost like the 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 more the more insane the thing you're doing seems 
the 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 bigger uh, the bigger the outcome the more spectacular the outcome of course probably also a, a lot more risk and a lot more failure right but mm. regardless my point is like everybody wants to like always play it safe they want like high returns with no risk mm-hmm. there's no such thing in life when it comes to investing right like yeah. it's an immutable law of investing which is you know typically you're going to find High risk, high reward, low risk, low reward. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, once once in a while, you find that asymmetrical investment. You find that investment with the asymmetrical risk reward profile, because there's something that you understand that the rest of the market doesn't understand yet, where you can yeah. actually find an opportunity where the upside far exceeds the downside. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like it's like it's, it, it, the, the, the decision you made to join Wall Street Mastermind, if you think about the downside, the downside is, okay, I joined this program and it doesn't work. It doesn't work for me, all right? And I spent a little bit of money on it, which is really not that more, much more in the grand scheme of things considering how much you had already spent on schooling and education yeah. and all your master's degrees. That was the downside. Mm-hmm. And then there's a cap on that downside. What's the upside? Yeah. Well, the upside is, I get a job that's going to pay me six to eight times more what I'm making now and for the rest of my life. That's the upside, right? And then when you compare those two things, it's like, what's well, a no brainer. And then the other thing you got to factor into account too is like the probability of each of those outcomes happening. What do I think is the probability that I'm going to hit the downside scenario? And what mm-hmm. do I think is the probability that I'm going to, you know, make it out and, uh, and get the offer that I want. And then you probability weighted and then it becomes even more skewed towards yes. the upside, mm-hmm. right? Because when you were doing your homework on Wall Street Management, you said, okay, they have a 90% success rate. And you thought it's more likely that you're going to be part of the 90% than part of the 10%, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, nothing's guaranteed. There's no such thing as 100%, but that's pretty much as good as it gets. Pretty much. Right? And so I just always encourage people, it's like, look, you got to make these decisions with, you want to become an investment banker? You got to learn to think like an investor. You got to mm-hmm. learn how the greatest investors in the world think, which is they have an investor's mindset. They evaluate every decision through risk and reward. Mm-hmm. Is, this, is this a risk worth taking? Everything you do has a risk. You yeah. decide to cross the street, Today, there's a risk of you getting hit by a car. You're not going to cross the street. Well, you got to cross the street, right? To get to where you want to go. But like every decision we make every day comes with a risk, but you have to decide if that's a risk worth taking, right? Mm -hmm. And for those people that are like, well, I'm only going to do this if if it's guaranteed. Well, then you're not going to do a whole lot in life because there's not a whole lot in life that's guaranteed. (laughs) Absolutely. You find me something in life that's, that's an amazing outcome that's guaranteed that doesn't require you to put in any work and doesn't require you to take any chances doesn't require you to take any calculated risks then uh let me know and i have a bridge to sell you (laughs) (laughs) there's no such thing right so Mm -hmm. anyway i get very passionate about this stuff i just think that that's good stuff i mean like walking mastermind aside it's not even about whether you join Wall Street Mastermind or not. What we're talking about now is like how you make decisions. It's decision making frameworks. Yeah. Right? It's like how do you evaluate the decisions that are in front of you? And 
every time you get to a fork in the road, how do you decide whether you want to go left or go right? And a lot of times, depending on which which road you take, you end up in very different destinations. Absolutely. Right? So anyway, I think decision-making abilities, one of the most important things um, that, that you can develop. But uh, anyway, I, I, I've gone on for too long. I apologize, but... No, this is good. This is good stuff. <laughs> this... Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just like very um, happy that we got to kind of share your story with everyone. I guess like to just, just to wrap things up, do you have like one piece of advice for people who are maybe like, you know, people who are just going through this process now, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, the similar profile as you, um, you were in their shoes not too long ago and they're feeling a little bit lost. They don't know where to start. Um, like, is there one piece of advice that someone gave you along the way that just really helped you tremendously? You know, it could have been one of your mentors, whatever, doesn't matter, alumni from school, like anything like that, that you think you want to share with people? Yeah, I think what comes to mind is uh, my, my mentor gives me this quote from, from time to time. He says, you know, we know the cost of everything, but the value of nothing. Mm. You know, we know the cost of it. We know exactly how much everything costs. But what value does it offer? And I just try to highlight, you know, when I talk about Wall Street Mastermind, I try to highlight, listen, where I came from. Listen, I don't have any financial services background. Um, I don't come from a a, a family um, where I'm even exposed to these types of things. So uh, Wall Street Mastermind gave me the full blueprint. Hey, this is how you do it. Um, and that's priceless. You know, not every school is going to give you that. Not every mentor is going to give you that. So if you can get that in one place, you're going to be head and shoulders above your competition because everybody wants to do investment making. Everybody wants your job that you're aspiring for, too. And, and the results that I've gotten, are they're off the charts. They're, they're off the charts where you have to turn down both bracket investment making opportunities. Man, that's a good position to be in. And um, it's not me, man. It's not me. I always point to this. When I talk to Sam, I always point to his system. You're going to have to put the work in, of course. You're going to have to study. You're going to have to commit the time. You're going to have to prioritize. Um, You're going to have to make an investment. But listen, I'm going to make almost five times my base salary that I was making as a classification officer. First year on the job. I think that's a pretty good exchange there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what, 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 what better investment could you have made that would have gotten you that type of returns? Right. I have no idea. Have Bitcoin, no idea. Bitcoin. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Uh, yeah maybe, maybe, I don't know. Um, but uh, no, I love that quote. We know the cost of everything, but we know the value of nothing. I think that's a, that's just another really great way of, you know, kind of saying the same thing that I was saying, which is people always look at the cost. They look mm-hmm. at like what the initial investment is but they're not thinking about the potential return. I mean, they're not thinking about like, okay, what's the upside? You know, what am I getting in return for making this investment? Right. And so you got to look at both at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, dude, you give us too much credit. You said like, it's not you, it is you, you know, I always tell people that we work with is like, it's like, um, it's like a relationship between an athlete and a coach, you know, when an athlete wins the championship, like, who do we give most of the credit to? We give it to the athlete, right? Of course, the coach has a part to play in it too, 
the coach's job is to, you know, give you the right game plan, do the right mm-hmm. drills with you during practice, um, you know, help you scout out the opponents and like, just like tell you like, Hey, this is what you need to execute on. But like, if the athlete doesn't show up in the gym, the athlete doesn't put in the work, the athlete doesn't, uh, you know, step out uh, during game time and like actually execute on the game plan that we laid out together, mm-hmm. you know, and doesn't like actually hit the game winning shot, then yeah. you're not going to win. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the, the same coach, I mean, shoot, look at, look at Bill Belichick and Tom Brady for the longest time. People were like, Oh, who, who, who deserves more of the credit for Patriots winning all those championships? Well, <laughs> well now we know, right? Because <laughs> guess what? Tom left and Bill's not winning anything. Yeah. Bill's still a great coach, but mm-hmm. like, guess what? You know, Tom deserves most of the credit. So I'm just mm-hmm. saying you're being too humble. I think like you deserve most of the credit. You put in the work. Yes, we gave you the blueprint, but if you didn't do anything with the blueprint, then you wouldn't be where you are today. Right. And you know, it's funny you mentioned about having to turn down offers at uh, bulge back at banks. I remember asking, like, are you sure you really want to turn down an offer from Bank of America? <laughs> and I was like, Are you sure about that, Kevin? And it's like, but I mean, hey, like, look, it is you already had a great offer from UBS and you know, you you honored you honored your commitment to the firm and I respect that. And I think both are great firms and I know you're going to do well at either places. So I'm uh, just excited to see what's ahead of you, man. Um, and, and, and obviously I'm sure uh, you'll keep me posted on that and we'll continue to work together. Okay. But guys, um, for those of you that are still listening, I mean, this has been one of our longer interviews, so I'm going to probably wrap things up here. But um, if you are in a similar situation, maybe as where Kevin was, maybe you're not like the prototypical candidate. You didn't go to an Ivy League school. You don't have a lot of like friends or family or even just classmates in school who are trying to do what you're trying to do, you know, was namely get into investment banking. Like you don't, you don't find yourself, you don't feel like you're in the, the correct environment right now that's going to allow you to really just bring out the best version of yourself. Then I want to encourage you to reach out, like book, a, um, what you can actually do is book a free virtual coffee chat with a successful Wall Street Mastermind alumni first, okay? So you could talk to one of our students that have gone through recruiting already, gotten an offer from one of these top tier banks, um, and you can talk to them and get their recruiting advice, hear about their experience. You can ask them about Wall Street Mastermind if you want, or you don't have to. But after you talk to them, if you feel like, hey, like Wall Street Mastermind is something that I'm interested in, then you can, then they can help you set up, um, you know, a chat with our team and we can talk more and see how, how we might be able to help you. But like, even if you talk to the alumni and you decide like, no, this is not something that's uh, really for me, that's totally cool too. Then you just get like a free networking call or whatever and no harm, no foul. And hopefully it helps you out. Right. So mm-hmm. if you're interested in doing that, uh, you can go to www.wallstreetmastermind.com slash apply. Um, the street is abbreviated to ST. So it's wallstmastermind.com slash apply. And uh, we'll get you on the calendar with one of our alums and then uh, we can take it from there. All right. So guys, um, we're going to wrap things up here. That'll be it for today. Kevin, I want to thank you again for taking so much time to talk to us. We went way over, <laughs> way over time from what I expected. So I apologize for that, but uh, no, it's good. I always enjoy talking to you. So I kind of knew it, it might run long uh, given 
given the dynamics between the two of us. But uh, mm-hmm. I think this would be really, I think this is a really inspirational story for a lot of our listeners and hopefully uh, it helps some, uh, some people out there to just at a minimum have more belief in themselves that you know they can do this uh, as long as they have the right blueprint, uh, blueprint and the right action plan. All right, so uh, guys, that'll be it for today. Mm-hmm. We'll uh, be back with more of these for you guys in the near future. And uh, thanks for tuning in and we'll talk soon. All right. All right.